Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again on the Practicology Podcast where we are in part two of our discussion on the intersection of art and faith with guest contributor Vincent Camber. I hope you enjoyed the first episode in which Vince explained to us some myths or some preconceptions of the culture that he dismantled, thoughts that are not accurate but that we so easily imbibe about art, and then how scripture gives us plenty of clues as to the importance of imagination, creativity, and craftsmanship. I personally love the example of Bezalel and Aholia being filled with the Spirit for their artistic craftsmanship in the tabernacle. And then he challenged us to think about uh, Christian art in a broader perspective, not just items that are explicitly devotional or explicitly Christian theme, but to look at all of art from a Christian worldview. Is that a pretty good summary, Vince? Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Good to be back. So we finished last time uh, sort of on a note of encouragement to be receptive to art or to open ourselves up to it. And in the same way that we benefit from advances that we mentioned last week in technology, health sciences, and so on, the human activity in the arts can bless us if we approach it in a critical, a biblical way. But today we sort of want to look at the other side of the coin, not just how we can appreciate or benefit from the arts, but how we can become active participants. Well, this is what I need to hear, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, so point one is for you, Matthew. Seeing the act of making or creativity more widely as an activity for all believers. So we have this body metaphor in the New Testament that I mentioned last time that suggests that we we do have differing roles and abilities. I don't think the idea is that all of us have to be, you know, what they used to call a renaissance man, someone who does, you know, all the forms of arts, and we all have to be writing and singing and composing music and all of it. But I think that, like I mentioned, our culture, both at large and also specifically within the church, at times overemphasizes artistic gift as something just for a select few people. Maybe we narrow art down too much to art with a capital A, you know, this high-minded you know, high-level craftsmanship for a few select people. Maybe we idolize the skill that's involved in certain types of art that require a lot of training. We praise the people that maybe take the time to do that training or to learn that craftsmanship. But we sort of don't include ourselves. We think that we're not uh, people that could, you know, be involved in that. But I think of the variety of creative expression that I see just in my own local church, and I think that suggests that creativity is bound up in our humanity. You know, I can not going to name names, but I can think of people that, you know, do spoken word poetry, calligraphy, videography, photography, painting, graphic design, knitting, culinary arts, coding, engineering design, drawing, painting, interior design, renovations, singing, songwriting, musical composition, gardening, sewing. Wow, what a church. Yeah. So one of the things you're doing right there, Vincent, is you're helping us to get a broader perspective of what art is even, I would say. Just, I mean, you've, you've included some things there that people might not generally think of as being art. Yeah, and that's sort of what I'm getting at with the art with a capital A. We make these distinctions, but really I think they all come from the same source in, our, in who we are as image bearers of a creative God. We have this impulse to make things. We have this impulse to, to produce, to make, to bring new things into being, to create beauty and, and order. And I think, you know, it comes out in different ways depending on what you're exposed to, the the people that you had in your life, in your family, the, the things that you think that you're good at, the things you chose to pursue. There's all kinds of external factors that maybe guide us towards, and obviously the, God himself, you know, can guide us towards different uh, avenues of that. But I think it really does come down to the, to the same source. So as such, I think we should 
find that and seek to develop it. And I think part of it is breaking out of this hobby mentality. I really don't like the word hobby. When we develop a hobby, it's the idea that I, I'm doing something really for myself, for my own enjoyment, on the side, you know, not too seriously. Um, but that's not a mentality that is helpful. I think we need to develop a kingdom mentality. How can this be used to serve the kingdom? So not just as a leisurely form of self-entertainment, but as some some part of what I was actually created to do. And that means taking it seriously enough to invest in my own improvement. So as we mentioned last you know, episode, you asked, you know, is everyone just born sort of raw material? We're all equal? No, for sure. Some forms of art come more easily to some people than others. But I think we all have the potential to be more creative, more imaginative, more artistic than we give ourselves credit for. And I think we also need to recognize that the illusion of, you know, raw talent and some people are just naturally good at things behind that often hides a lot of hours of, of training, a lot of discipline and effort that, uh, you know, if the curtain were pulled back on that, um, rather than discouraging us, it might encourage us to realize, you know, this is, this person's not so different from me. They've just, you know, through different choices and life circumstances have really invested in, in this skill. Yeah. I think, I think I've heard that William Kelly once said that genius is 90% hard work. Yeah, that's a better way of saying what I'm trying to say. So I suspect that most, if not all believers, could think of areas of creativity that they're suited for by a combination of interest, ability, and experience. And rather than repress that or waste it entirely on you know myself or trivializing it with a hobby mentality, why not explore it and hone it and use it to give back to the one who gave it to you? So I just think of that verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah, I think about a friend who, uh, after she had received, I believe, a cancer diagnosis and went through some treatments for that, uh, she then began to explore more of her creative abilities and uh, became quite an artist, a painter in her case. And uh, not only did that help her mentally in dealing with what she went through, but it gave her an avenue to express worship to God. Many of the rest of us appreciate it as well. Mm. And she's consciously doing that for the blessing of God's people to the glory of God, as you've said. That's great. So the next sort of point is why? Why make Christian art sort of this call for believers to develop their gift? And I've sort of broken this down into five reasons. There are certainly more that could be added. So the first one, the first reason to make Christian art would be because it's part of our nature as the image bearers of a creative God. So is God creative, Matthew? Yes, 100%. Good, good answer. So here's a few scriptures on top of the ones we mentioned last week. Psalm 139, God is described as a knitter when it comes mm -hmm. to our marvelous bodies. Mm -hmm. In Job 38, he's an architect in relation to the design of our planet. In Psalm 8, he's a sculptor. It talks about the work of his fingers in regards to the galaxies. Pretty amazing metaphor there. And Jeremiah 18, this famous chapter of God as the potter and how he providentially acts in our lives. Yeah. I added that in just because you had a few podcasts on providence. So mm -hmm. Excellent. Just Very to good show examples. you were listening. Thank you. <laughs> so the idea that there are some sort of artsy and non-artsy people is not a Christian idea. I hope we've seen that and it's, it's an assumption we've inherited from our culture. 
Theologians talk about the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God, so which parts of his nature we share as his image bearers. So we've, we've seen that God is an artist, and I really do think Scripture would bring out through these examples that we've seen that he's imbued every single one of us with the ability to appreciate creativity and also to participate in it. Doesn't mean everyone is equipped equally or in the same way. So again, the body metaphor, different parts of the body that all have their, their function. I still don't think I can draw a tree as well as you. We'll, we'll get to that after the podcast. We can have a part two on our lesson. Um, but please just don't write yourself off. So find how God's creativity is reflected in you. Find it, pursue it. And I'll just mention this about Bezalel because we, we talked about him in the last episode. His name apparently means in the shadow of God. And I find that really fitting. When we use our creativity to, to make, to bring new things into being, we're not ultimately doing it in our own strength or our cleverness. We're working as apprentices in the, the shadow of a master craftsman. That's beautiful. So the second reason to make Christian art is for our own flourishing and for that of those around us. So there's mental and spiritual health benefits. Like the sister I was just talking about a minute ago. Yeah, I think that's a great example of the sort of therapeutic qualities of art. It, I, certainly my own life, um, music has had this role of helping me process my own emotions in ways that sometimes uh, words just can't you know, do. So we process our emotions and issues often through art. And often the nice thing is that even though it's for our own well-being, if you want, it flows out and it speaks to others. Yeah, I mentioned in one of our recent podcasts when Stephen Vance and I were talking about depression, that's something that I've gone through. And I have a daughter who has composed some lovely songs on piano, and sometimes I'll make a few suggestions and then put some lyrics to it. And we, you know, we, we did a song together. Um, I don't think it's ever going to make a hymn book, but it was meaningful to mm -hmm. us. It's about being in that darkness and how the Lord Jesus went into the darkness for us. And that was therapeutic absolutely it was helpful to me and a, a blessing to our relationship hmm. i'm sure we've all benefited at times from a hymn or a movie a play a poem a novel these forms of art by other people likely connected to their own you know experiences right. in life and, and that's helped and, and served us in so many ways right. making art it also helps us break out of the consumeristic or overly utilitarian mindset of our, our culture so Mako uh, Fujimura, he says, the art of waiting depends upon our willingness to die to ourselves and trust in God. Art, poetry, and music all depend on waiting. There is no music without pauses. There is no art if we are unwilling to wait for paint to dry. More significantly, the process of making mimics what we need to learn to do in life. Hmm. So even the That's process deep. of art making, yeah. It, it teaches us this this waiting. It teaches us through the process, you know, in this as embodied creatures, not just at the head level, but really in our bodies as we, we make art, we, we learn things about the grain of the universe, the way God has designed the world. And just in this last part of this second point here, another lie that we didn't go into as much detail in part one, but it's the assumption that we we often get from social media, Instagram and TikTok, is this idea of a platform, needing a platform, needing a lot of followers, a lot of people to see and appreciate my art. Mm. And I love that example you gave within your own family because you know, you said maybe it will never make the hymn book. And like, if it does, great, but it really doesn't have to in That's order right. to be meaningful and powerful. And we have this idea from our culture that you know it comes to numbers, how many followers do I have? Mm -hmm. And the more followers I have, the better. And you look at, you know, past hundreds of years of Christian history, and there have been 
you know, artworks made by Christians that have benefited huge swaths of the church for like for years. You think of Pilgrim's Progress, the effect that that's had, you know, on the church, how God has used that. You think of Handel's Messiah, you know, different examples that have resonated with like millions of people over years. But that's that's really the exception. And, and we shouldn't use that as a sort of standard that, you know, if I can't make art to that level or it doesn't have that that platform that it's not valuable. And I really want to encourage people to make art for their communities, where God has placed you. So that can be your family, can be your friend group, can be your local church. Don't feel that you're a failure or that you're a lesser artist if you know it doesn't go beyond that. Because I think that's the unit where God normally places us and in the, norm, the normal course of things where we'll be able to serve and help each other. And so make art for your own church. It doesn't have to become you know, using all the hymn books and all the churches in North America for it to be meaningful and, and make a difference. Yeah, I'd like everybody, you know, on your podcast app, you've probably got a little button that you can rewind 10 or 15 seconds. So press that a few times and re-listen to that paragraph. That is very valuable. That's very important as well. And I think, Vincent, if, if our uh, desire is just to make something that is going to be popular, it's probably going to cheapen it. It's not mm. going to be as... God honoring and is going to be more even self-centered perhaps in, in its goal, but uh, to do it for the joy mm. of uh, of the Lord, I think that's a, that's a wonderful way that you've expressed that. So important. And then just to let God and the Spirit decide, you know, if he wants to use it more widely, but right. it's making it for him first of all, and within the, the community we've been placed in. So that was point two for our own flourishing and that of those around us. Third reason to make art is that it's God's plan for his creation, I believe, as God created the world and placed Adam before the fall. We see all this potential for creative, for uh, making, you know, this gold that is there to be discovered and um, the animals that are named, the garden that's to be tended. We see all these things that are built in our human nature. God wants us to make. It's part of his design for us to go. He talks about multiplying and subduing, but I think also, you know, right in in that original design for humanity is is to make, is to create. It's... It's hard sometimes because we see so many things that have been made that are are wicked and that are that are used for destruction, that are used to um, actually break down the world. And so we see how this gift of God, this this calling for humanity, has been misused in, in so many ways. Sinfulness and brokenness has come in, and we look at art and the the human production and culture, and it's it's really hard to parse out. The good from the bad, you know, even within music and movies and, and plays and all that, like what is good and 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 reflecting of, of our our purpose here in, in glorifying God and what is a result of sin. It's it's often hard to separate. But I would just sort of borrow the the imagery of the wheat and the tares. And I envision that in in, in a future day that God will ex- extract the sinful dimensions of our advancements as civilization, and that we'll be able to see you know, those nuggets of, of goodness that came from him and, and to continue to advance that, to discover the unbound potential that God has worked right into the design of creation. I think there's lots left for us to discover in terms of God's uh, plan for, for, for the universe, lots we haven't found yet, and lots that God wants us to discover artistically in what we can create, invent, and bring into, into being. Yeah, well, I was just reading in Micah 4 today, honestly, Vincent, they will beat their swords into plows and their mm. spears into pruning knives, right? That's a good example of man's creativity being turned in a more positive direction. Very good. Another verse I was thinking of is in Luke 10 and 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't just mean have warm feelings in your heart towards God. It means take what he's given you and serve him. Do it with all your strength. Take it seriously. And I think that part of loving our neighbor, making the world a better place, is using the gifts God has given us. And and one of those areas is the gift of creativity. Okay, so let's just pause for a moment to recap on these three points that Vince has given us so far in a, a call to believers to develop their creative gift. Number one, because it is part of our nature as the image bearers of a creative God. Secondly, for our own flourishing and that of those around us. We, he spoke of the mental and spiritual health benefits. Thirdly, because God's plan for his creation involves our creativity. Number four, So number four is to tell the world a different story. So this idea of worldview formation or the impact of arts in sort of changing people's minds and hearts. So we touched on this last episode. We talked about these tectonic shifts in our cultural attitudes. So especially we think of morality and different topics. How did it happen for most people? Again, not through a series of debates or reading all these scholarly articles, but a lot actually was communicated through the arts, through stories, people's hearts were convinced and then their minds sort of followed afterwards. So their culture has has a, has a very close relationship with the arts, TV shows, movies, music. They really are shaped together. Yeah, I think of an example like what if there were stories that did a good job of showing that God's model for sexuality, sexual expression was actually better, which it is, right? God created it, so it's better. What if there were stories that conveyed that and maybe that would influence the culture for good? Yeah, and that sort of comes down to this idea of, you know, all art, Christian art not having to be devotional art. Like, art has to talk about all these subjects, including the one you just mentioned, but every area of life actually has to be communicated through the Christian worldview powerfully through stories and craft. And sometimes this is, I think, historically something there's a lot of really amazing examples of. And then recently, maybe this is something we haven't prioritized as much, which is what we're, we're trying to talk about today. So this idea that the world needs to hear a different story, um, often it's really only hearing one note played. It's, it's only seeing the world from one perspective. It's always stories coming from this anti-Christian or unchristian, unbiblical worldview. And we, like C.S. Lewis, like Tolkien, like Harriet Beecher Stowe and others, like Bach, like so many artists throughout the ages, we need to present a different story, a different worldview through our arts as we talk about and reveal all aspects of life not just directly religious subjects. And the last point, so number five would be um, to create Christian art, to adorn the gospel of Christ. So what I mean by this, well, I think of the type of culture we live in today, the language people speak, um, and perhaps more than ever, especially because of technology, the arts are like the way that these conversations are taking place. They're taking place, you think of Instagram as a platform where like these massive social conversations are taking place and opinions are being shaped, you know, even in terms of current war and um, political situations, like Instagram is like a photo sharing platform. It's a surprising place to be like the new public square, if you want. But when you think of these elements of culture where, you know, this uh, spiritual warfare really is taking place, in the, it's in the arts often and in TV shows, movies, music, um, social media, and so on. And so technology has really made the arts more accessible for people to create and also to consume or to enjoy than ever before. So are we speaking within those realms? Are we, are we, is the gospel, you know, entering in 
through faithful believers as they take the message and speak it in a way that our culture can hear. So I'm talking about a lot more here, I think you'll understand, Matthew, than just adding photos to your gospel meeting PowerPoint. You know, when I'm talking about adorning the gospel of Christ, I don't just mean sort of decorating our messages with a bit more art, a bit more visual, but getting into these spheres and and communicating in these ways. And I'll just mention that by that, I'm not saying that we need to replace sort of uh, the unadorned heralding of the gospel with, with the arts, not at all. I think um, there's a there's a scriptural model that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so mm-hmm. it's not at all about eliminating or replacing that. But I think in addition to, we need to find where people are and speak in a way that they can they can hear and understand. All right, thank you. It's good food for thought. So that's five reasons to to make Christian art. Matthew, are you going to leave this podcast and and pick up a pencil again? Or well, that's actually one of the things that's happening. I'm I'm not excited about picking up a pencil to draw a tree, but I do think more of uh, music things. Right? Um, you said that we don't all have to be the same, so mm. I'm going to accept that. But that is one of the things that's actually happening to me right now as we're talking about this, Vince, and it's one of the, my desires for us doing this podcast again is that it would stimulate people's desire to express creative artistic ability to god's glory that's great and if you know if we can also move beyond this what i've called a sort of hobby mentality and thinking of the grand scheme of things and the meaning that it can have the impact it can have i think that will you know bring us in that direction and so i'd sort of go into a next point here of looking forward like what do our actions and our creative actions here on earth like do they have any substance any weight beyond just, you know, you know, self-therapy mm-hmm. or or even, you know, contributing to a, you know, a culture in a world that's going to pass away. Like, mm-hmm. is there much of value to that? Yeah. So I just think a bit of the teaching uh, on the judgment seat of Christ. So this is a quotation that's helped me by Mike, Mako Fujimura. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that name properly, but he says, Paul insists in 1 Corinthians 3 on telling us something truly remarkable. Yes, if we do not build on Christ... Our works of righteousness will come to naught. That is fairly easy to see if you are a Christian. But the other side of the message, if you are reading the text with a fresh eye, is an incredible, even fabulous promise. The fire of destruction will reveal something you have done, you have built, to be indestructible. Our works do matter. Our words do matter. And not simply because they are going to be tested. Our words matter because what we say and do today can last eternally. You know, we often focus on the negative part of that of that teaching on, on what will be burned away. Mm-hmm. And we think of, you know, everything that won't last. And But it's amazing that God and his generosity actually brings somehow, we don't understand all what that will look like, but he brings something of our lives, of what we've done for him. And it lasts through that fire and it's it's brought forward. And that's a pretty cool thought. And he compares it to gold, silver, and precious stones, things that we consider beautiful uh, with our eyes yeah materials for (laughs) for creating art so just another um quotation from this same writer i'll I'll just mention he's a an an artist as well a contemporary artist living in new york city he's a painter and he wrote a book called art plus faith and he has this little parable that we'll finish with today and it's sort of on this idea of how god can take what we make what we do creatively and, you know, imagining or looking forward into that future age, what, what God can do with that. So I'll just read it. He says, imagine a father taking his child to the beach. The father watches his child make a sandcastle, which will be washed away by the high tide. 
But this father happens to be an architect. Imagine that this father loves his child so much and is astonished at the design of the castle his child has made. Several years later, the child looks in amazement as the father creates a real castle that is based on the sandcastle that the child created. This may be close to what the new creation will be like. God desires in God's heart to be with the child as the child plays on this side of eternity. God chooses out of God's gratuitous heart to co-create into the new world. There is no particular need for the architect father to create an actual building, but the father recreates in love and he has the power to do so. The new creation is filled with such attentive, self-giving outworking of God's love toward us. But there is more to the theology of making than what this simple metaphor can communicate. What if the father were to create a building using sand, the very material the child plays with, transmuting it into an actual permanent building would, in a sense, make the castle that washed away into a new reality that surpasses the creative capacity of a child on the beach. However, that castle would not, could not have been built unless the child had initiated building it, even though that child never assumed it would be permanent. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, do you think you'll be doing some painting in the kingdom? I, like I say, I don't know. The scripture is mysteriously vague about what that will look like, but I think we do see from the judgment seat of Christ that God is able to bring our, our I don't want to say achievements of civilization, but our, our, what we've done with uh, what he has placed into the universe for us to discover and invent and the craftsmanship that we can develop. And, and somehow um, there can be something from this life that, that can last, and, but it will be amplified and mm-hmm. be unimaginably greater, sort of like this sandcastle and the real building. You know, the comparison is almost silly and yet it's amazing that god who could just design and do everything on his own he chooses in so many ways to work through his creatures and the way he's equipped us to to design and invent and 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 make and even god's own creative work i wonder what it's going to look like in the new heavens and the new earth i mean because what we see around us has also gone through the fall been corrupted Mm -hmm. in some ways tainted by sin so i think we're going to observe beauty to a, a whole new level in the age to come yeah, and I think that's a great place to leave it, looking forward into that long horizon. Just to come back to earth, though, in terms of practical outworking for us, I think believers, like we mentioned at the beginning, we withdraw sometimes from the arts for all kinds of reasons. So an association with worldliness or a belief that it's only for a select few, lack of mentors for positive examples, or maybe just thinking of it as a useless hobby. But if that's you, hopefully you've been challenged by some of these thoughts or better yet, that you feel a tug or an invitation to explore your God-given creativity to a higher degree. Yeah, well, I think if they've been listening, they will, Vincent. I think it's been great. I've appreciated it. And we thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we pray that this will be a blessing to you and a boost to you in your artistic endeavors. Thanks, Vincent, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. May the Lord bless you all.